0: What was the first big true crime story that piqued your interest? Bundy? Gacy? Dahmer? Maybe Gabby Petito? For me, it was actually a documentary, Errol Morris's The Thin Blue Line. This week's case is set to be a biggie for future generations. And here's the thing, it's still unfolding in front of us as we speak. In fact, there is yet to be a trial. My name is M. William Phelps. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author. I've dedicated the past 20 years of my life to helping families of the missing and murdered. Join me, we're crossing the line. It's 2006. Then-33-year-old former Mrs. Texas candidate Lori Cox and 49-year-old businessman Charles Vallow are getting married. This is Lori's fourth marriage. Charles had been married previously for 12 years, and he has two sons who call him a Disneyland dad. He's busy taking the kids on trips and buying them gifts on the weekends when he has them. Lori has a magnetic smile. Two parts coy, one part devilish. Blue eyes and blonde waves flowing far past her shoulders. By all accounts, she's a beautiful woman on the outside. Charles has that, you know, quarterback-turned-businessman look. Colgate smile, blue eyes, square jawline. A guy's guy. Together, on paper, they feel like a power couple in the making. They look like the popular couple from high school-turned-middle-age. Lori is a lifelong member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, and Charles is a Catholic who converts to LDS after marrying Lori. A big guy, Charles is about five inches taller than Lori. It's kind of funny. Their wedding picture looks like it could be a model for the plastic wedding couple on top of a three tiered cake.
1: I might say here, Phelps, we do love central characters in true crime that have that too-good-to-be-true look and life. I mean, that's how we know how far they have to fall.
0: Not to mention affluent and preferably rich, right? Yeah. But I will say this. We will take upper-middle-class professionals any day with our murder porn. (laughs) Right. That, my murder people, is the impartial voice of reason on Crossing the Line. My producer, Catherine Law. Hi. She makes a point here. We do kind of get a fuzzy feeling when wealthy, powerful, good-looking people go from riches to rags to an orange jumpsuit. We tend to get a serotonin lace kick out of it, yours truly included.
1: Schadenfreude if you want to go German with it.
0: You know, that term was thrown around a lot the last five years or so, I think. And I, and I won't mention why, but it, it, it was. Make your own judgments on that. <laughs> Lori has three kids. Her oldest, Colby LaJoya, from her second marriage, doesn't figure into our story today, but he was arrested on two counts of sexual assault about a week before this recording. Instead, we're going to focus on her two youngest children. Tylee Ryan is her eldest daughter from her third marriage. And eight years after Lori marries Charles Vallow in 2014, they adopt a boy, Joshua who they call J.J. J.J. is the grandson of Charles's sister, and he is autistic. It takes patient parenting skills and unconditional love to raise him. Lori and Charles seem to, at least from what friends say later, have that in spades. Somewhere around 2017, something cracks within Lori, who once called herself a ticking time bomb. She is 43 years old and showing signs that she's taken a turn from traditional Mormonism to an extreme, fantastical way of thinking. She displays a significant change in attitude, and here's what's important, her disposition. She started to devour the books and teachings of an author by the name of Chad Daybell, who writes mostly about his many I should say, near-death experiences, his work as a gravedigger, and the apocalypse.
1: That's the doomsday trifecta, Phelps. Isn't it, though? <laughs> also, like, wow, we have another, like, casual grave digger on here. We haven't had one of those since Larry Hall. Hey,
0: that's a great point. I mean, I I think we're into the grave digger trend in some respects.
1: Yes, we're just gonna like keep this right on. And
0: you'll have to tune in next week to see if we have another <laughs> grave digger. Exactly. Uh, I have plenty of grave diggers in in the <laughs> vault.
1: Excellent. I think this is really interesting. I'm obsessed with anything Mormon. I think Mormonism, because of its age, it's a very young religion. It lends itself to sort of spin-off cults and Mormon fundamentalists, as they call themselves. I just find it all very fascinating. I read so many books about these fundamentalist cults who like run off to Mexico and all kinds of crazy shit happens and
0: a lot going on. There's there's a lot of fantastical thinking going on there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Chad Daybell is a bit fractured himself in some respects. Here's a guy. He sees the world differently than most, to say the least. His work is not the sort of light reading you might consider a woman like Lori Vallow would gravitate towards. She seems, on the outside, to be pretty normal. Raised in San Bernardino, California, she appears happily married to Charles, and she's raising two wonderful kids, and has been living the dream in Hawaii with Charles and the kids for several years before moving to Arizona in 2018. After meeting him first at an LDS meeting in Arizona, Lori has become obsessed with Daybell's doom and gloom predictions. Chad Daybell, a father of five, married for two decades, is focused on Armageddon and believes that a second coming is imminent. Doom doom doom. <laughs> According to his skewed revelations, if you are not prepared under his guidance and of course, his recasting of joseph smith and the lds religion let's just say you will be swallowed up during the rapture or at the least cast into the fires of hell for eternity i heard an echo there
1: on your here
0: no when i said cast into the fires of hell for eternity
1: oh, I see
0: It's about this time that Lori begins telling people she has been selected as a goddess to prepare the 144,000. A figure from the book of Revelation of those that will be redeemed at the destruction of the earth.
1: Lucky Lori.
0: (laughs) It could be worse, I guess. But Lori's home life is unraveling. Her marriage to Charles is in a free fall by this time, as Charles has begun to suspect Lori of infidelity and believes she is mentally unstable, and actually he's concerned for himself and his kid's personal safety. It's in this capacity that Lori begins to view her husband Charles as, quote, the enemy. In fact, she believes that Charles is a zombie. yep, a zombie. Wow. It's part of her new apocalyptic belief system entirely influenced by Chad Daybell's writings and personal teachings. By now, Lori and Chad are communicating daily.
1: Oh, so when you say, quote, personal teachings, you mean it. Like, they're engaged in a little more than communication by then, shall we just say, right? Um,
0: yes, I would say so. I would say <laughs> there's a, some... some intercourse going on between them yes
1: (laughs) and by that you just mean discussions back and forth yes yes
0: yes absolutely that's what i mean this is a
1: family show phelps
0: that's that's true that's very true
1: (laughs) actually maybe it's not it's about murder (laughs) okay so then there's this trouble with laurie's brother right
0: you got that right okay there's there's some issues with laurie's brother serious Charles Vallow separates from Lori and moves to Texas. He's had enough of her weird nonsense bullshit and decides divorce is the next course of action. All of the conspiracy and end-of-the-world nonsense is too off-the-charts delusional for him. Lori, meanwhile, stays in their Arizona home. Then Alex Cox, Lori's brother, a strange guy in his own right who's on board with Laurie and Chad's delusions is over to her home one day. It's July 2019. At 7.35 a.m., Charles, who's driven in from Texas, arrives to pick up seven-year-old JJ. Tylee, Laurie's teenager, is also there. According to Alex Cox, Laurie and Tylee, Charles confronts Alex. So Laurie and Tylee Leave. Cue that tape, please. 911. Where is your
1: emergency? It's at uh 5531 South Four Peaks. I think it's Four Peaks Lane. I'm not sure.
0: I'm sorry. You you don't know the direction?
1: I don't know the the street name. If it's a lane or a court. It's
0: 5531 East, though. Uh, yeah, or South. You need yeah. police or paramedics?
1: Uh, both. I'm in police and in an ambulance.
0: What's the emergency there? Uh,
1: There's a, I got in a fight with my brother-in-law and I shot him in self-defense. Okay, let me get the medics on the phone. That
0: call is placed on July 11, 2019, about 8.32 a.m. Lori Vallow's husband, then 62-year-old Charles Vallow, has been shot multiple times in the stomach and chest by her brother after a, quote, Fight ensues, according to Cox. And is he hurt or is he alive? Or? Yeah, there's blood. He's, he's not moving. Police arrive with guns drawn and begin an investigation. Charles is on the floor in the front room of the house. Immediately, they're concerned about a bullet found embedded in the floor near Charles's dead body. The bullet's trajectory, that is... Cox is a bit squirrely with his story as he explains it to first responders. He tells them Charles brought a bat and hit him in the head with it, which started the fight. Yet, even after being hit in the head with a bat, Alex got his gun, came back out, and shot Charles? In addition, body cam video in color, mind you, shows Alex walking around the outside of the home just after the incident, and he appears fine, with no visible injuries to his head.
1: No, like, blood, no confusion, a headache?
0: Well, there's a little confusion, but that's only because he just (laughs) murdered somebody, I think. But no, there's no visible blood. He's not holding his head. I mean, I implore you to Google and watch that body cam. What's more, the timeline Cox gives begins to feel a bit wonky. Details like how long it was after he shot Charles that he called 911. There's nothing that's adding up here. That's the point, I think. Mm -hmm. The entire scenario seems suspect and not quite right. Yet the affidavit of the incident says this, quote, none of these concerns provide probable cause for the arrest of anyone present, end quote. Huh?
1: That is madness to me. You just saw a guy get gunned down. He's dead. And you're like, no one needs to be brought in no one needs to be arrested here
0: i'm not getting that you know and i hate to question law enforcement but i'm just not getting that yeah a bottom line here is charles is dead and this is the first in a long line of bodies that will begin to follow this woman so let's take a quick break when we come back i'll get into this complex compelling murder mystery and you'll be shocked to find out what we've uncovered here on crossing the line Okay. While they may not have much to go on other than Lori and her brother's word, investigators do not let the case in Arizona go. Thank goodness. Charles Vallow is dead at the hand of Alex Cox, Lori Vallow's brother. That is a fact. And here's another one. The day after Charles dies, Lori texts his sons from his first marriage who live in Texas with their mother, Catherine can you please read those texts?
1: Hi, boys. I have very sad news. Your dad passed away yesterday morning. I'm working on making arrangements, and I'll keep you informed with what's going on. I'm still not sure how to handle things. I just want you to know that I love you, and so did your dad. Phelps?
0: A text. A text? A text. You know.
1: I, I, A text to let you know your father died.
0: I, and these are boys who absolutely adore their dad. So that text displays a lack of compassion and empathy on Lori's part. I I, I mean, for starters, not even a call?
1: A text that is so fucked. Like, listen, a breakup warrants a phone call if you've been dating for more than like three months. Your dad dying also warrants a phone call. One might say maybe even a FaceTime, Lori. Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, could you imagine the kids walking around the mall? Oh, hey, I got a text from Lori. Dad's dead. I mean, what the, in the most actual
1: fucked up bullshit I've ever heard. That somehow is the most fucked up thing about this entire story.
0: Well, what it says to me as a crime guy is a lot. A- as I said, it, it, it shows a lack of compassion and empathy. It displays yeah. it.
1: Totally. Totally. You have to be so far up your own ass to like not realize that's not how you break that news to someone. That is so spot on.
0: Through that suspicious death investigation of Charles Vallow, a host of uncertainties begin to arise for law enforcement, which sends them deeper down the rabbit hole of Lori Vallow's life. For one, Charles and Lori were going through what the homicide affidavit calls, quote, turmoil in their marriage. They know this because they had been called out to the Vallow house on numerous occasions. Lori was certain that Charles was stepping out. This, though, was never proven. But a fact, that's not in dispute. By then, Laurie had taken her fangirling with Armageddon-spewing Chad Daybell, or as I like to say, Chad Doomsday Bell, to a more intimate level. This after Chad tells her they had been married several times in past lives, and that since his near-death experiences, he's now been gifted supernatural capabilities. Convenient, And Chad, remember, is married with children living in Idaho. And what is clear about this time period is that Charles had serious concerns and reservations about the doom and gloom things Lori has been espousing and that she took control of all their bank accounts and was going through their money like water. Before Lori and Charles' separation, Lori had left Charles with JJ once and taken off for two months. Gee, I wonder where she went. Huh. (laughs) They were residing in Chandler, Arizona at the time. Lori had gone to Idaho to be with Chad Doomsday Bell. Charles grew extremely concerned telling people Lori had lost touch with reality. Put simply, Charles was afraid.
1: I mean, he was obviously right to be afraid seeing what happened. A lot of people know kind of how the story winds up and it's really horrifying. But even at this point, I mean, Charles is dead. He was right to be worried.
0: His gut was speaking to him.
1: And we always say you have to trust your gut, even if you're like, she'd never really do it. No, they would. They would. And you have to protect yourself, even if it's like, this feels kind of weird. This am I overreacting? No, absolutely not. Honestly, a lot of this stuff like, oh, somebody's turning into zombies, whatever. It sounds really crazy, but. And it is. I mean, it is really crazy. I
0: think it's easier today to believe stuff than it ever was. And, you know, we talked about this in the Slender Man episode a little bit. Yes. How people can be sucked in by fake news.
1: Yep. So that kind
0: of brings me to my next point. Let's step into the Doomsday Bell Arena for a second here. Laurie had told Charles he was possessed by a dark evil spirit named... Ned Schneider.
1: (laughs) Let's be honest. If your name is Ned Schneider, that is just, I've never heard something more pure evil than that.
0: It sounds to me like she's been watching The Simpsons when she came up with that name.
1: See, it makes me think of like Ned Schneebly from (laughs) School of Rock or uh, Ned, Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day.
0: It's just such an odd name for an evil person. Right, It's
1: ridiculous. It sounds like a pencil-pushing nerd. That's what it sounds like. Your accountant is Ned Schneider, not an evil demon.
0: Exactly. <laughs> uh, no offense to, you know, accountants or people named Ned Schneider.
1: Absolutely not. They're... <laughs> Listen, have Ned write into this show. Tell him he's got some explaining to do.
0: Lori often refers to Charles as Ned. And then there is that little issue with the 144,000 people she needs to save before the rapture. OK. Body cam footage from police interaction during the time the valo marriage is falling apart details a lot of what Charles grew so concerned about. He is recorded once telling a cop that Laurie has become unhinged. Then this. So what's going on tonight?
1: I can't get in touch with my, my kids.
0: How old are your kids? Six and a half and 16. OK. Um, How long have you been trying? Two days, okay. But she,
1: she's lost her mind. I I, I, don't know how to say it. We're LDS. She thinks she's a resurrected being and a and a a god. And remember the hundred.
0: After Charles was killed, Lori's brother Alex, who has drunk buckets of the proverbial Kool Aid by now, tells police that Lori and Charles started fighting when Charles arrived to pick up JJ that July 19th morning. Cox says that he became so concerned for Lori's safety that after Charles brandished that bat and hit him, he shot Charles to protect his sister, remember, who had left the house with Tylee, Lori's daughter. Later, Lori and Tylee back up Alex's story. Charles had filed for divorce shortly before this incident. Surprise, surprise, surprise. And it should be noted, a coroner reported that he had defensive wounds all over his body. Seems to me that Charles was ambushed when he walked into that house. That's what I think. With Charles now dead, or should we say, out of the picture, in September 2019, Lori and her brother take the kids and suddenly move from Arizona to, guess where, Rexburg, Idaho.
1: Oh, who lives there, Phelps?
0: And wouldn't you know, this is the same town where Chad Daybell lives. Lori finds an apartment not far from the home Chad lives in with his wife and kids.
1: Convenience everywhere.
0: A friend of Lori says it's about this time that Lori starts referring to Tylee, her now 17-year-old daughter, as a zombie. On September 8, 2019... Lori, Tylee, JJ, and Alex take a family trip to Yellowstone National Park. Tylee is never seen again. The following day, September 9, Alex Cox's cell phone places him in the backyard of Chad Doomsday Bell's house for about 120 minutes. Remember, Chad is an experienced gravedigger. I guess this isn't so strange if you look at it this way. I mean you know, maybe Alex is sunning himself and having a brewski in the backyard of his sister's lover's house.
1: Yeah, why wouldn't you be?
0: But what happens in the moments after that two-hour visit to the Daybells becomes very suspicious, or rather, revealing. Not even a half hour after Alex's phone shows him leaving the property, Chad Doomsday Bell texts his wife, Tammy, and I'm going to have Catherine just read that
1: text. I spotted a big raccoon along the fence, misspelling raccoon. I hurried and got my gun and he was still walking along. I got close enough that one shot did the trick. He's now in our pet cemetery.
0: And this is just a day after Tylee is last seen. Thirteen days later, Lori's friend and her boyfriend are over at Lori's apartment. At some point, Alex is seen carrying JJ, Lori's adopted son, who is seven at this point, into the apartment. Neither of the visitors see J.J. again that night. That next morning, not seeing J.J. anywhere, the boyfriend asks Lori, Where's J.J.? Lori says, Oh, he was being a zombie last night and Alex had to take him away.
1: With it's actually what she said?
0: That is actually what she said. What? Um, yeah.
1: It's like, as if that makes sense to everyone.
0: Yeah, it's... He
1: was just being a zombie
0: oh, he was just being a zombie last night and Alex had to take him away. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. What? But zombie in their lives means something entirely different.
1: Right. It's like their spirit has been removed and they're, you know, have an evil demon inside them.
0: They're not allowed to be on planet Earth anymore is what that means. Yikes. On September 23rd, the very next day, Alex Cox's cell phone shows him once again in Chad Daybell's backyard. But this time, it's only for a little over 15 minutes. J.J. is never seen again. Let's now skip to almost four weeks later, October 19, 2019. Chad's wife, Tammy Daybell.
1: Nope, 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 nope.
0: Yes, Tammy Daybell is found dead in her bed. In her 40s, Tammy did not appear to have been ill. And per request by the Daybell family, no autopsy is done.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, forties is basically old age, so she just probably died of natural causes. But yeah, I mean, you were kidding. This is like literally a trail of dead bodies following this woman.
0: Yeah, I'm speechless at times during this case. And get this: fewer than three weeks later, just three weeks. This after Chad collects four hundred and thirty thousand in life insurance money, Lori and Chad head off to Hawaii and get married. Incidentally. Lori had tried to collect one million in life insurance she thought she had on Charles, her husband, but shortly before his death, Charles had dropped Lori from the policy.
1: Oh, a snap. I mean, I guess she deserved it. Love that. Dude, this she has zero chill.
0: She does. She does. Yay. She really, really does. <sighs> Back in Chandler, Arizona, police are becoming curious about the ambiguity and sketchiness surrounding Lori's life and they really start to dig into investigating Charles Vallow's death and begin making inquiries about Lori and her new life. At the same time, J.J. Vallow's grandmother rings an alarm bell about him. It's well into November 2019 now. No one has seen J.J.
1: So just as a reminder, because this is a little bit of like family fancy footwork, J.J.'s grandmother is... Charles Vallow's sister so it was Charles's sister's grandson was JJ yeah so she's not very old presumably like 60s
0: and she rings this alarm bell that wait a minute I haven't been able to get a hold of my JJ Mm -hmm. it's well into November 2019 now no one has seen him the grandmother tells police that Laurie refuses to allow him to FaceTime or communicate with her which is totally out of character. Right. She says Lori told her she sent J.J. and Ty Lee off to live with a friend in Arizona. So investigators call Lori and she says the same thing. Naturally, they follow up.
1: Right. Like That's not the end of the story. <laughs> They're going to keep asking questions. Uh, that friend. Right.
0: Who is reluctant to admit it at first says no. Finally, the kids are not with her. Never have been. When Chandler, Arizona police realize the kids are missing, that Chad's wife died in her sleep, on top of Lori's brother killing her husband, and that Lori and Chad are now married, they bring in four law enforcement agencies, including the FBI.
1: I mean, you know what is something that I've learned on this show, Phelps? It is that two plus two equals four.
0: (laughs) Almost immediately, they start to understand that all of it, Charles's murder, Tammy Daybell's death, the missing kids, Lori and Chad's marriage, let me take a breath, is connected (laughs) to Lori and Chad telling people they are fulfilling a religious prophecy. You know, that Lori is an exalted goddess who is supposed to be with Chad so they can direct the 144,000 into prepping for the end of the world. With all of that, law enforcement has their answer. Oh, geez, it's a prophecy. We're good with that. So they close their investigation.
1: Case closed.
0: Just making sure you're following me there. (laughs)
1: No, I mean, what I love about this, Phelps, it's like a cult, kind of, but it's also like a cult of exactly two followers. There's like Chad and like his girlfriend and his girlfriend's <laughs> brother. Like, not, not doing great, dude. Even his wife wasn't into it.
0: Now that is funny. I mean, that that <laughs> is great. I mean, at, at least Michelle from Holy Hell, you know, the Buddha right. field had like 30. You know what I mean?
1: Right, exactly, exactly. So much for 144,000, you have two. You have two.
0: <laughs> Catherine, let's take a second and read some of the extraordinary abilities that Chad and Lori exhibit at this time.
1: Oh, okay. I'd be happy to. The power to teleport and cause harm to others. Well, that's kind of true. Uh, the ability to call up natural disasters, the ability to pray away demonic spirits attached to others, and also visionary capabilities. I just want to—I just want to rebut all of this. I want to be like, if you could pray away the demonic spirits, then why are you murdering people? They also felt qualified. To, I don't know if I'm impartial here. <laughs> they also felt qualified to tell whether someone had a quote light or dark scale quote associated with them.
0: I love the scales. I love the scales.
1: Right? Right. This scale would indicate whether or not they had demonic spirits attached to them. Lori and Chad would often refer to these dark spirits by actual names or as zombies. I mean, actual names like Ned Schneider.
0: Right. Ned Schneider. Lori
1: and Chad also shared a, quote, trust level in referring to others.
0: Now, this is just all bizarre bullshit that no one buys, no one believes, but them two idiots. I mean, that's what this right. is, you know. Yeah. Those dark scales, one affidavit says, were attached to Tylee, JJ, and Charles, which means those individual evil spirits had to go. Here's another thing: if you share Chad and Lori's belief system, your score is and remains favorable. If you offer any opposition to their beliefs or their destiny you are seen as possessed, a scaly, slippery, slimy demon. This sounds a lot like delusional, cultish belief born from mental illness vulnerability. I mean, how does one get here to this place of believing that everyone against you is a scaly demon and needs to be killed and that you are a god whose prophecy on Earth is to rid the planet of demons?
1: L. Ron Hubbard, anyone? Wrong one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right, 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 Joseph Smith. But I mean... You're right, though. It is a slippery slope. It's like you might start believing, you know, like with Scientology, you might start believing some little things and you go in for a personality test. And then, you know, before you know it, you're talking about Xenu and, you know, you get your own planet and these other things.
0: You've like, drunk the kool You're committed. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And you've like already said, yes, I'm in for these like smaller things. So by the time it gets to these like more unbelievable things... It's almost like you have to confirm, like, yep, I do still believe this. I do still believe this because you already committed.
0: You know, we say drunk to Kool-Aid, and that's a kind of a cliche, Mm -hmm. but that's an actual thing. I mean, that's from the Jim Jones Guiana tragedy where 1,200 people drank Kool-Aid laced with poison.
1: Yep. Weiler's grape drink, to be exact.
0: Then there are the texts between Lori and Alex. While Lori was still living in Arizona with Charles, they referred to Charles sometimes as Hiplos.
1: Hiplos.
0: That's a lot cooler than Ned Schneider, I'll tell you that. <laughs> right? Yes. So read the text.
1: Okay. On 6319, he texted, just got home and got JJ to sleep. Let's go spiritually tonight and work on him. We give the timing to the Lord, but we don't need to relent. This is war. And Phelps, honestly, having grown up at an evangelical church and school, this is so fucking triggering to me. Like, this kind I, of language.
0: I apocalyptically apologize for that.
1: Yes. So then another text on 6-19-19 to Lori. Oh, and can you meet me at the temple in the morning? I have time tomorrow, and we can work on Hiplos.
0: So... <laughs> It's also discovered that Hiplos, also known as Charles, had found a letter in the house. The letter is written as if authored by him to Chad Daybell. Hmm. In that fictitious letter, written by Laurie or Chad, I'm guessing, Charles seeks out Chad's help in Arizona to write a book. After finding this letter, Charles flips out. He confronts Laurie about it accusing her of trying to get Chad to come out to Arizona so she can, I allege, bang him and talk all that LDS Armageddon <laughs> bullshit nonsense.
1: Eloquently put, Phelps.
0: Hey, of course.
1: <laughs> call his bait his bait.
0: You know what? The old school upbringing comes out of me sometimes when I deal <laughs> with some of these people. So, I mean, why mince words at this point in the show, right? I mean, we're we're at the point where we're talking about scales and, you know, 144,000 people being saved from Armageddon.
1: Right. By Lori Vallow, specifically.
0: Yeah. So, you know, Charles then says he is going to email Tammy Daybell and tell her exactly what's going on. So what do we have there? We have motive there. It's not long after that threat of exposing Chad and Lori to Tammy that Charles develops those supposed scales and ends up dead. And then Lori goes after the 1 million in life insurance. So now we're showing motive. We're showing plot. Yeah. Right? I mean, this whole goddess Armageddon thing might just be the bullshit they came up with in order to get the 1 million and the 400,000 in life insurance and ride off into the sunset in Hawaii together. As an interesting aside, as investigators begin downloading texts and emails from Lori's iCloud, because as we all ought to know by now on this show, nothing is ever completely deleted. Mm -hmm. They realized that only minutes after Lori's husband was shot dead by her brother, she took Charles's rental car, which he drove from Austin to Arizona the morning he was killed. And Lori and Tylee went to Burger King and then to the local Walgreens where Lori bought a pair of flip-flops. What? So what is she doing? Is she setting up an alibi for herself maybe?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, or just like she needed flip-flops right after her husband was murdered.
0: Well, I didn't think of that. that That's very true. She couldn't need <laughs> flip-flops after.
1: She just her, needed flip-flops. Her
0: brother shot her husband.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Here's something that only professionals can really find out, which I love. I love this little detail. In the EMS report, of the response to Charles being shot, they note that blood began to pour out of Charles' wounds when they started CPR upon arrival. Hmm. You see, Alex said he performed CPR to try to save Charles, but there was no blood, as he had said on that 911 call.
1: So this is like one more thing from his story that just doesn't add up. Right. Right. And because they're professionals, they understand that that means he didn't actually perform CPR.
0: Right. The EMS report proves that Alex never performed CPR because if he did, he would have pumped blood out of those wounds.
1: Right. Alex
0: also waited 43 minutes before calling 911. And during that time, Alex called Lori several times.
1: Holy shit.
0: More crime scene work is conducted and it is proven that Charles was shot once as he was walking forward, just as Alex had said. But it was proven that a second shot was fired while Charles was on the crown. Investigators rule Charles's death, murder.
1: I mean, finally.
0: A text is then discovered from Chad Doomsday Bell to Lori dated shortly after Charles's murder. Catherine, if you will, please.
1: Happily. I got the inspiration to go back to my original death percentages that helped us track Charles, Ned, etc. Tammy is very close. Her percentage has fallen steadily since Hiplos left. It is encouraging. Flutter heart emoji.
0: You know what that is? That's just code that they developed for killing. Fully, pe- it's like yeah, they for they killing have their own people.
1: Language or something, right? Yep,
0: they have their own murder language. And Tammy Daybell, we know, was next.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Investigators then find an audio recording on Lori's phone titled Lori's Testimony. Lori says this.
1: Everything I do is because my heavenly father tells me.
0: Yeah, of course. Things are heating up, though. A witness contacts the FBI in December 14, 2019, claiming Chad and Lori told a relative that police contacted two of Chad's kids and threatened they were going to exhume Tammy's body. Lori and Chad explained to the relative that the threat is a lie, a scare tactic. The FBI's not even involved. Sure. Hello, though. What they don't know is this law enforcement had already exhumed Tammy's body on December 11, 2019.
1: Yes, I love that.
0: The dead bodies following Lori Vallow, though, are not finished. And don't forget, we have two missing kids. But now the cops are hot on the trail of Chad and Lori as they travel as if constantly on the move, back to Hawaii. And with that cliffhanger, an opportunity to pay more bills. <laughs> so let's take a quick break, come back and finish this incredibly deadly strange case of shallow Lori Valla and Chad Doomsday Bell. To the Saints, and a man whose time is running out. To Elizabeth Rollins, he confided in the spring of 1844, I must seal my testimony with my blood. Throughout history, there have always been charlatans disguising their madness as religious revelation. We know this. We know as true crime buffs that cult leaders have a way about them, a Svengali-like power to convince vulnerable people to do the most horrific things imaginable. Lori and Chad Doomsday Bell are two of those people. Their madness and their utter desire to control the people around them had taken over. And there was nothing that was gonna stop them. I have uh a older male here named Alex. He's uh he just passed out here on the on my on my bathroom. You're Alex, Alex. He's not, he's not breathing. On December 12, 2019, Alex Cox, Lori's brother, is on the floor of the home he shares with his new wife in Gilbert, Arizona. 51-year-old Alex, who had been married only two weeks, is found gasping desperately for air and vomiting. Then he dies. The coroner claims that death is by natural causes, that Alex had blood clots in his arteries and high blood pressure. The police report of the incident I found claims that Alex effectively choked on his own vomit. Alex's stepson found him. He'd had shortness of breath over the week leading up to his death and had driven into Mexico to get medication because it was cheaper. As of now, not much else is known about his death. But look, when you have a sister who's had so many deaths tied to her and then you die young too, uh... I feel that Alex's death should be treated as suspicious, and I think every single possibility should be looked into.
1: She already has disappeared her children, so her brother is kind of par for the course.
0: Her brother allegedly buried them. Right. He's a witness.
1: And, you know, you kind of think, you know, they say, all right, if you believe in our stuff, then you're safe and you're not going to be killed or whatever at the end of the world. Goodness knows what logic is there. And Alex did drink the Kool-Aid here. He was on board with their beliefs. So this makes me think the only real motive they would have for getting rid of him would be he quite literally knows where the bodies are buried.
0: And he recently got married. So what if his wife said, hey, wake up, dude. This is all bullshit. Yeah. What's going on here? Yeah. And he now is awake to all of this nonsense.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And he says... Shit, I buried those bodies and maybe even participated in the murder of his niece and nephew. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. And certainly his brother-in-law.
0: Since November, the month before Alex's death, JJ and Tylee, Lori's two missing kids, are being searched for in what is a massive investigation. It's on every news station, splashed on every magazine that covers true crime. Police only learn of Tylee's disappearance when they go to Lori and Chad's house in search of JJ. After his grandma rang those suspicious day bells about not being able to get a hold of the child. In January 2020, law enforcement served Lori with a legal order to produce her children. Cops want to know where they are. Lori has lied to them, saying they're staying in Arizona with her friend. They know this is BS. She has also been unresponsive in showing the kids to police whenever asked. Law enforcement, however, have a pretty good idea where those kids are after going through phone records and other intel they've uncovered.
1: Let me guess, buried in the pet cemetery in the Daybell's backyard?
0: That would be a good guess. Mm. When Lori fails to comply with the request made by law enforcement, she is arrested in Hawaii while she and Chad are on yet another trip. Then she is extradited back to Idaho.
1: You know what? They really get around for people who have to plan for the apocalypse.
0: They pick some pretty good places, I'll say that. You know, but on the other hand, it's not easy being a goddess and a dude with supernatural (laughs) abilities. So, Lori and Chad still refuse to say where the children are. This goes on for about six months, and the cops have had enough. They've been building a case. The FBI and Rexburg Police and Fremont County Sheriff's Office get a warrant to search the Daybell property, which includes excavating the backyard. They basically have instructions by this point, right? A GPS-guided, pinpointed map of Alex Cox's cell phone pinging in certain areas of the yard. So they follow that map. Under a tree in the backyard, they find J.J. Vallow's body buried in a shallow grave. About 50 yards from the tree, in that pet cemetery, Chad Daybell texted his then-alive wife about. They discovered Ty Lee's body. Chad Daybell is arrested. It takes another year or so, but in May 2021... Both Lori and Chad are charged with first-degree murder in the deaths of the children, with Chad receiving an additional murder charge for his wife, Tammy Daybell. Chad pleads not guilty. He awaits trial on those three charges. Lori gets an additional charge of conspiring to murder her fourth husband, Charles Vallow. She's then deemed incompetent to stand trial while undergoing mental treatment and evaluation. Effectively, this put her case on hold. In various courtroom proceedings, Lori is seen smiling widely and looking as if it's all just another day in the life of living with reptilian evil beings and all the world's her stage.
1: If you Google these pictures, like she's smiling in this wild eyed sort of.
0: She's trying to act crazy.
1: Yeah, kind of. Yeah. She's She's trying to
0: act like she's mentally incompetent.
1: Totally, or like she doesn't care that she's arrested and she's grinning from ear to ear. It's like her look is really wild.
0: I mean, in my experience, what I think is really going on with Lori. Yeah. I mean, I I would need to see far more paperwork and psychological reports before I definitely say, but my gut reaction would be to say, she has a bit of mental illness, yet there is an itch in the back of my throat telling me to hold off on that, that Mm -hmm. it's all bullshit. Mm Mm-hmm. Because in April 2022, this year, Lori Vallow Daybell is ruled fit to stand trial. There you go. Awesome. Completely mentally competent. That, to me, says a lot. So after that, Lori is brought in to enter a plea, but she refuses to enter any plea at all. So the judge pleads not guilty for her.
1: Hmm.
0: I mean, that's how this stuff goes. Yeah. Lori and Chad will face trial together. It is slated to begin sometime in 2023. They face the death penalty.
1: Oh, they're being tried together.
0: Isn't it romantic? Isn't it? Sadly, that's where we have to leave this case because it's kind of in progress. That's all we know so far. You know, but I think it's an important enough case and timely enough that we talk about it right now while we're in the thick of things. We will certainly do an update episode on this case after it is complete. That trial is going to be a circus the likes of which I I do not think we've seen in a long time. But wait, there's more. I promised you bodies, Catherine, and you're going to get more bodies.
1: You always deliver.
0: There's one more death we have to mention. Lori's third husband, Joseph Ryan, died of a heart attack in 2018, the year all of this really begins. And this guy was no saint. Lori's first son, Colby, accused Lori's third husband of physical and sexual abuse. But there just seems to be too many young people dying of natural causes around this woman. And if I was a betting man, or I should say, if I was a betting law enforcement officer, I would be filing docs with the medical examiner's office and getting the family's permission to exhume Joseph Ryan's body, get in there, and take a closer look at exactly how he died. That's it for this week. Be safe, be aware, and... Don't be sucked in by any cult leaders out there.
1: Sources for today's episode come from State v. Lori Vallow Affidavit, Gilbert Police Department Incident Investigation Report, 12 2019 Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell Case, A Timeline of Events, Kat Turfs, Chelsea Narvez, Lauren Turner Dunn, CBS News. Living on the Edge of Heaven, a book by Chad Daybell himself, The Case of Lori Vallow, KTVB7, Charles Vallow Killing, Bay Area News Group, July second, twenty 2021, and police documents reveal new details in Tammy Daybell case by Garna Mejia, KSL-TV.
0: Crossing the Line is a production of iHeartRadio. It's executive produced by me, M. William Phelps, and iHeart executive producer, Catherine Law. Special thanks to producer Rose Bachi and EP Christina Everett. Audio engineering, original music, and sound design by Matt Russell. Additional thanks to Will Pearson at iHeartRadio. The series theme, number 444, is written and performed by Thomas Phelps and Tom Mooney. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.